It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today on the podcast, I'm so happy to welcome Emily Jones from Family Tech University. I reached out to Emily blindly on Instagram (laughs) and just said, oh my goodness, I love your page. I love what they stand for so much. And she was so gracious enough to take the time to come on the podcast. And I can't wait for you to hear everything that Emily has to share about your family and technology, your children dealing with all of the stuff that they're dealing with now with their phones and their computers and iPads and and all the things that how can we have a healthy relationship with technology and teach our kids how to monitor their own time when they're on screen. So I'm so grateful for Emily for coming on. She is a writer, author, speaker, and teacher, and she co-founded Family Tech University with her husband, Dave which for those of you who aren't familiar with, is a unique movement with a paradigm shifting perspective on powerful tech parenting. Her best wisdom on the parenting of technology comes from being the mother of five children, four who are currently teenagers, which is, oh my goodness, I'm sure, exhausting and wonderful at the same time. So Emily, welcome to Doing Good. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, Carmen. I'm so glad to talk with you. So four teenagers, what are the ages of those four teens? Right now? I guess is 10. So we've got a, we've got the, the caboose Eight. years old. Okay. Then we have on up to a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, and then a 19-year-old on a mission. Oh, my goodness. And yep. boys are right in the trench. You're right in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, we have one daughter. And then the others are boys or boys. Is your daughter, does she fall? Where does she fall in the mix? She is second to last. So she's my 14 year old. Oh, so she's kind of the calm amidst the storm. (laughs) For sure. And I could say that because I have four boys and it's, I'm, it's all just the storm all the time. Yeah. She is is a tough lady. She, she kind of balances that femininity with, I'll give you a black eye if you mess with me type of thing. All of the girls I knew growing up that had all brothers were the coolest because they could hang with the boys, but they also were like super awesome and sweet and feminine because they stood out with the girls. So I always thought, oh, all the girls I knew that had all brothers were just the coolest girls. I bet she's just so awesome as your boys are too. And I obviously I adore my boys more than anything, but it is, it's a wild ride for sure. And, and coupled with the fact that there's more technology available at our fingertips than ever before. More screen time. My oldest is 12. He'll be 13 in December. And my second oldest will be 11 coming up in just a couple weeks. And oh my goodness, between their homework, Marco Poloing music teachers, texting friends. My son is in the Deacon's Corn presidency. So he's on group me messaging back and forth. I feel like there's always a screen in front of their face. Even if it's a good thing, even if they're being productive on it. And it is so hard to figure out what is the appropriate, what's the appropriate amount of time? Like it, how much damage, even if they're doing something good, are they hurting their brains with having so much screen time? So I would love to, first of all, ask you, how did you get involved in family tech? How, why was this idea born? Was it out of necessity or was it, hey, this is a really good idea. Maybe other parents would 
would like to, you know, learn about this too. Sure. Carmen, we kind of find ourselves in this space almost unexpectedly. Really, at the root of it was just parental desire to do well with this. It began when our oldest son was asking for his first phone. Okay. So the dreaded day yet every parent dreads. Can I ask how old, how old was he? He was in the realm of 12. He, okay. was, he was a little bit older and was, yep. was starting to get interested in his own device. Okay. And, you know, I, my husband is an IT professional and I'm a newsreader. And so I was very aware. I was very aware of the headlines, very aware of the impact that I was reading about of technology on young people. I just felt like we really need to figure out how we're going to do this well. We need to be very deliberate. Uh, I don't believe in my heart that young people fall into good habits with technology accidentally. It's not an accident. And so parents need that capacity and that ability to parent this in a very steady, very, very deliberate, very organized way. And so I did what any self-respecting mother does in the 21st century, and I started to Google, right? Resource like crazy. Yeah, how do I do this? And I found some really interesting things. For one, I found a, a really intense environment of fear for parents. This terror that if I don't do this well, if I don't parent this well, my children will be addicts, my parent, my children will be enslaved by this technology that is increasingly becoming part of our lives, increasingly incrementally becoming yeah. part of our lives. And I, I, I could, you know, in these social media groups that I was part of, I could see that there was just this, this overlying feeling of fear amongst parents. Yeah. The second thing that I noticed is that there was a tremendous amount of information online about micromanaging our children, about the filters, about installing the digital filters, about what kind of rules we should put into place. All of these critical things, right? That really is the, the groundwork of what we do when we introduce our children to technologies is that we put those fences in place. Yep. But I left my my stint of researching discouraged and it left me almost feeling hollow, just a little bit hollow, because I feel like there was something missing from the conversation. And a couple of years later, I heard a phrase said by Sister Linda Reeves, and she used this phrase, we must strengthen the internal filter of our children. Okay, that's a good phrase. And when I heard her, explain this idea of using the internal filter. And what I mean by that is this internal capacity to screen what one is presented and to really, really decide what am I going to take from what is being presented to me online and what am I going to leave alone? This capacity at a heart level to filter and to make active agency decisions about what I'm being presented with online, I felt like this is the missing piece. No one is talking about the convincing of the child. Yeah. We're talking about sensing the child, protecting the child, all important things, but no one is talking about the convincing of that child's heart. And so I thought I am going to put together a driver's ed course for the smartphone. Because 
this vehicle that we present our children with is so powerful. I would I would argue more powerful than a car. Yeah. And the influences that it has. And so I thought, why, why are yeah. we asking our children to put in some effort, to put in some study before we grant them access to this yes. powerful technology? Yes. And so I got online and I found all of the most powerful materials that I could find that were convincing in nature. I found articles, I found research studies, I found videos, all of them teen friendly, all of them very convincing and powerful in nature. And we sort of organized this into a course for our kids. Awesome. And so this oldest son of ours was the guinea pig with this experience. And we told him that this would be something we would require of him in order to have his first device. And I would be lying if, if I said there was not a bit of pushback about this. In fact, I think he felt like we were the weirdest parents on the planet <laughs> that we would require this of him before granting him a device. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you, Carmen, it was the most amazing experience because what we witnessed was is that he, as he consumed these materials and then we would ask him, what did you, what was your opinion on that? What did you think about that? That there was something happening inside of him. And that was the development of his own opinions opinions that were his. Yes. So it wasn't mom's opinion or dad's opinion that there was a something developing inside of him that was, you know, this is mine. I own this. I want to avoid pornography because I'm learning what this could do to my life. That I am suspicious of spending too much time on social media because I'm reading about the impact that it can have on me. It was amazing. And so we started sharing this document, this little humble PDF document with family and with friends. And we started getting calls from back East and from the West Coast. We started getting calls from Canada. The, the, you know, the, just the, the interest, word of mouth interest began to spread. And I think that's when I looked at my husband, who's this technology genius. And I thought, you know, Dave, this, this is something that could bless people, this yeah. approach to really getting in and digging into what that child believes and helping them embrace those principles for themselves as agents. Yes. This is something that could really bless people. So that is how Family Tech University was born. Oh my goodness. And and I love that it's it's tried and true. It's not something that, oh, this sounds great. And let's put it out there that you first did it in your family with your son and saw those benefits. And that's my son, like I said, is 12 years old. And that is exactly, he was, you know, asking for a phone, same thing. And they kind of need one. They're gone a lot. They have extracurricular activities. I'm like, I need to be able to get a hold of you. So how can I do this safely? And it is interesting to think about there is no course for that. There is nothing until you have come up with it that says here is there's plenty of articles, like you said, and, and plenty of, like you said, the extreme scare tactics of be careful, be careful, be careful. But you kind of bridge that gap of, well, how, how do I be careful? What do I do? What is the best thing? So what are some of the things that these teenagers or kids will learn from taking this course and what and is it does it have a name the course yes so this course this is available online at familytechuniversity.com and it is called the internal filter workshop 
that's what it's called to workshop. And I think, I think the reason that it is so powerful is because it's an interactive experience that is designed for the child. So this course is not for the parent, although the parent can certainly consume it. It is meant for the convincing of the child. And so it's divided into eight modules. And those modules address all of the things that you can imagine that a parent would most hope to teach their child. Yes. The first module is just an overall focus on the grander picture of why technology, my use of technology matters, particularly from a spiritual sense. Why does this matter the way that I interact with technology? And it moves on to modules that deal with social media savvy and wisdom education about the impact of pornography and the dangers of, of, of that kind of medium. There are modules on the seeking of stillness and seeking of quiet and unplugging and why that is so critical. Again, all of the materials that are involved are, are geared toward the team, what will be impactful for them and memorable for them. It addresses spiritual concepts, but it also addresses texting and driving. And all of those kind of skills, how am I going to use this phone in public? How am I going to use this in, in a restaurant or when I'm having dinner with my family or when I'm in, interacting with my friends? All of those kind of things are addressed. I think the pillar of the course comes at the end. Um, we call that module the story of my life. And this is, this is perhaps the crowning experience for young people and precious to their parents as well, because it encourages the child to reflect on what do I want in this life? What kind of a person do I hope to become? What are my dreams for my future family? What are my dreams for the way my life will look, the adventures that I hope to have, the things I hope to do in my career? All of those things, the child is prompted in the course to make a video or sound recording of themselves talking about this life vision that they have. And a lot of people ask, well, why, why is that something included in a technology course? Yes. And the answer is, I have a little bit of an obsession with, with understanding kids who are doing well with technology. I want to know why. Why do they choose it? Without parental pressure, without parental micromanaging, why, do, why is there a growing cohort of young people who are choosing to use this as a tool rather than to be controlled by it. And when I talk to these kids, there is a common element among them, and that is an understanding of who they are and what they hope to become. And so the development of this life vision, the ability for a child to see in, into the future, at least vaguely, what they hope to be, how they, how they want, how they, how they want to become and making that connection between current behavior with technology and that future is critical. Is, yeah. Well, and it, like you said, if you wonder, well, what does this have to do with, you know, having a phone? And yet, like you said, it is critical. It plays our phones. I mean, take up such a big portion of our life and you can do anything on them now you can do all of your work you can do all of your calling stuff you can do all the pictures and all the documenting of your life and everything all the homework is is done from a screen your phone or your computer and it does impact your life and I love that that's how you end it with okay what do you see in your future but and that they have been taught those skills before they get to that point of 
now knowing all of this, how do I want, what do I want my future to look like is, is beautiful and brilliant. What age would you say is a good starting point for doing this course? Course currently is, is set for ages 12 and up. Okay. It's, that's, that's, that's sort of the target age we do have. And I haven't announced this before in a podcast, but we do have a course in the works for ages eight to 12. That will be more of a, a primary course, a little more simple. The, the course itself, part of the magic of the course is that there is an online journal that is inserted into this experience. And so you'll, okay. your child, your child will read an article on how social media can impact body image, let's say. And then beneath that article is a little journal space, a little place for them that says, hey, what did you think about this article? What did, what did you draw from this? What, are, what do you think are the most important parts to this? And that child knows from the beginning of the course that those journal entries will be emailed to the parent. Oh. And so the course is so amazing because they, they interact with these materials. They, they are spurred to do activities, to make observations, and to journal their thoughts about what they're learning. It's sent to the parent, and this opens up this amazing opportunity for the parent to engage in, hey, I saw that you wrote this. I thought this was brilliant. Or yeah. where did you get this idea when you were reading this? Or I, I actually like to watch that video that you just watched. That sounds really interesting. By doing this, the parent is establishing themselves as a safe place to land. Yes. It's not that I can talk to my mom about sexting and the dangers that are associated there. I can, we can talk about pornography in a very normalized way so that when issues crop up and they can and will, that parent is the safe place. That parent has already established a pattern of talking and discussing and listening to that child that their opinions matter. That the child isn't just being lectured to and having information dumped on them, but that that child is digesting, practicing, and then talking about it with this amazing parent who cares about them. And that establishes a pattern that will carry that child up to adulthood and that that parent has a really good idea of where that child stands on various parts of technology and their readiness to take on more of it. And I think, Carmen, as we, as we talk about training our children, we also need a plan in place for the granting of these technologies. A lot of parents will ask, well, how do I know when they're old enough to get a phone? And how do I know how much to give them? When should they be on social media? And so I'll just share how our family approaches this. We kind of have in place what we call a stepped approach to the granting of technology. And so we always begin with just a text-only, call-only phone. We start at that most basic level. And the exciting part is, is that as we, as we have these steps in place, so the second step might be a limited smartphone, maybe a phone that just has a few parent-approved apps on it, very limited browser activity. Maybe they're allowed to use a browser at certain times of day. Um, is this age, do they, do they age with the phone or is it according to their maturity and maybe their ability to really embrace the course and show their maturity on their understanding of the technology? You hit the nail on the head. And this is the exciting part of it is that when we started step one with that very basic phone, we observed the child for a long time. 
How are they behaving with that, with the technology they do own? Is he able to plug it in at the appointed time without a fit? Is he willing to keep it maybe out of the bedroom or maybe he keeps it away from the, the dinner table? Whatever those family established rules are, is he living well with the technology that he has access to? If you see demonstrated maturity, demonstrated ability with that, then we can start thinking of moving up to that next level. If, if they're not, then we are really courageous as a parent and we, we keep that technology where it is until that maturity develops. If we move to a next level and we start to see consistent, maybe poor behaviors or poor habits that are just manifesting, you can tell that the child is being impacted in ways by that technology that is, is not happy. Yes. It's, we have the courage to step back. Yeah. And to say, hey, let's, let's step back to this other level until we, until we kind of figure this out. And then we can move up again. We can work towards this. And I think that gives a parent a lot of peace because yes. they have a plan. They've right. A plan. We have a plan, which is huge. So I have so many questions on this. But so first of all, I'm assuming all the articles on your course are well-researched and do you write everything or do you take articles that have been written and researched by other professionals and include them in your course? The bulk of the materials in the course are from professionals in those fields. Okay. So, so yes, we, I have designed the activities that the young people do, but as far as the actual materials, you will find materials from spiritual leaders from the Pope, from David A. Bednar, you will find materials from scientists who, social scientists who study the behavior of young people with technology. You will find videos that were, that are, were, were constructed by 60 Minutes. There are news specials, exposés of how social media companies work and what's really going on behind that screen. Yeah. Um, so the, the materials are, are wide and far. There are also opportunities for young people to observe. So yeah. for instance, there is a module called Cell Phone, Smartphones 101. And this is a, a section dedicated to how we behave in public and private with a phone. And for this part of the course, it's actually an amazing experience. The young person is asked to go spend 20 or 30 minutes in a public place and merely observe people's use of technology in that space. Oh my goodness. Could be a park, could be a library, could be a shopping center. And their job is to sit there and watch how is technology impacting the way people interact with the world? Is it inhibiting family time? Is it inhibiting friendship? Is it doing great things for people? How are you observing the use of technology impacting our society? And then they write about what they see. And it is interesting. Oh, that would be amazing. Do you, do you ever find that kids are, do they ever say, I have so much going on with school and other activities. I don't have time to take another course. Where do they find the time to do that? And how do parents address maybe that pushback of this is just another assignment I have to do? Yes, it's a great question. It's, it's, it, it may be the biggest barrier to a parent engaging with this kind of teaching. So first of all, the course is available 24-7 year-round. And so the parent can select a piece of their year when that child will be more likely to have time. We have a ton of parents that have their kids do it during the summer. 
Awesome. Um, we have parents that like to start the new year out in January. They have their kids with their New Year's resolutions begin it then. We have a lot of people that do it in the fall, actually at this time of year, in preparation for the fall that's going to be under the Christmas tree. Right. Exactly. That makes yeah. sense. And so really it is up to the parent to decide how they want to run that. A lot of people do it on Sundays. When, when there's maybe less going on, oh, every Sunday I'm going to put in a little bit of time here. Oh, yeah. um, that would make sense. As far as motivation, we surely cannot force our children to take up all of the goodness that we provide for them. But we'll carry. Yes. And we can make requirements of them. I think yes. parents are a little skittish right now. Can I ask my child to do a little study before granting them this tech? While that may be an unusual request, I don't think it's remotely something that should be out of the picture. Again, when we are granting access to a powerful vehicle, yes, there should be some study involved. There really should be. Totally agree. I, I think as parents, part of the stress that comes from parenting technology is what do I have control over here as a parent and what is out of my control? Yeah. And I think. There's a good analogy that we can that we can look to for this. I heard a wonderful psychologist pose kind of a rhetorical question. He asked, can you force a plant to grow? And of course, the idea sounds kind of ludicrous to us. Yes. Right? It's a it's kind of a ludicrous idea because this plant is a living, breathing, separate thing. But that process of growth is internal. It happens inside the plant. And so as parents, we must view ourselves as gardeners, right? We are in control of the environment of that living thing. We are in control of the soil quality, the amount of water that's presented, the amount of sunlight that is received. We can do all we can to give that plant its best shot at yep. having everything that it needs. But when it comes to the growth and the development and the becoming, that is an internal process. Yes. I think as parents, if we can embrace that, I have control over the environment. I can make a plan. I can provide this kind of training for my child, but I'm not going to get heartburn over at what level this plant is pulling in the things I provide. Yes. I'm going to encourage and nurture and do all that I can, but I'm not going to succumb to shame or or those kind of feelings when my child makes mistakes, because it will happen. The, and the development. Yeah. Well, and that's hard to do as a parent to let them make mistakes. And to, it's funny that you say that you give the plant analogy, because on the one hand, it's like, well, duh, it's a separate. But when it comes to your children, it's like, no, they're mine. They're yeah. my kids. And they're a part of me. And as mothers, especially like you literally grew inside me. We share DNA. And so I feel like, but you're a part of me. So I get to decide. I get to choose. And I would hear parents talk like that and think you are crazy and so controlling. And then when I had kids, I'm like, oh, I get that, that you love something so much that you have given your whole life to that you yeah. think I have to tell you everything. And if I don't, you're going to fail and you're but then what happens is that you end up squashing their ability to make those choices and to grow and thrive on your own, which is the whole purpose of what you're doing. And it's such an important reminder that they have to be able to choose to grow. And we can 
provide the environment. And it's not to say it's good luck, have fun on your own. You have to nourish it and do everything you can and pluck out the weeds and make beautiful soil. But they ultimately, and 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 I would say, and, and I'd, I'd be interested if you'd agree with this, if, if you do that, yes, people understand or they make their own choices and and there are things that no matter how amazing of a gardener you are, things are going to go wrong. But would you say the majority, if you provide them with that, that children will choose to grow and thrive and they will latch onto this idea and take control of their lives the best way they can? Oh, I love this question. I absolutely love this question. I feel that our young people are among the most underestimated people on this planet. And so I love that you bring this up. Because this concept of granting our children this agency, this, this concept of trusting in that innate desire to be happy and to be a good person, there are outlying circumstances where you have powerful parents that have young people that still choose in ways that break their hearts. But I do believe that this internal filter, this capacity to choose well, is in every child, that the development of it is different, develops more slowly for some than others. And yet, I really believe that we, that we underestimate this capacity, that when they have the information in front of them, when they really understand the ramifications, the impact that technology can have for good or ill on those dreams that they have, that they the majority of the time choose in powerful ways, in really powerful ways. We provide a free download on our website that is called My Tech Plan. This is free to anybody who wants to use it. And it kind of incorporates this idea you're talking about of using our wisdom as parents to provide this goodness, but also engaging the agency of the child. And it's kind of a, you know, the old time school cell phone contracts, yes. it's so much better than that. Because what it does is it, it engages the family to talk in a group council setting about what are the few teeny tiny, easy to remember rules of our household with technology. Yeah. But then the second part of the plan is the child's evaluation of their own behavior with technology. The child's evaluating, how, how am I interacting with technology? Do I feel happy in the way that I am, am doing with technology and what kinds of things, maybe personal rules, would I like to set for myself? My 10-year-old, who, with, like all my children, has made mistakes with technology, has had their binge fests with video games, those kinds of things. He came up the other day and he said, Mom, I don't want to play video games for the next couple of days because I just was on it too much and I feel rotten. I think when we can engage the child in Really looking inward, how do I feel yeah. in the way that I'm in, in interacting with technology? Is this, how, is this how I feel? It's a little bit, we teach our children to deal with technology a little bit the way they do food. Yeah. You know, when I eat the pan of brownies, how am I feeling about that? Am I, am I, right. am I feeling good? How, how do I, you know, those, those internal recognitions of promptings and those spiritual promptings that come to all of us about... I'd like to do this a little differently. Our children yeah. have that. They have yeah. an art inside of them. And so as we engage that, it's very real. These, these are real kids that can really, really 
choose well with technology. And I agree with you. They can. So what would you say to parents who are worried that their friends might tease them if so my son's 12 and he has a gab phone still and without having taken your course I'm for sure going to now I love learning about this so much and before my 11 year old gets one but we just had always felt like having a smartphone to a 12 year old here you go just seemed crazy and I love gab wireless for that reason just the talk and text and he can take pictures of his life and document him, but you can't send photos or videos to anyone and no smartphone stuff. We know there'll be a point where he'll maybe need to graduate to something else. So what would you say if parents are worried that their kids will maybe be made fun of if they don't have the coolest, newest phone and that their their friends will, you know, tease them for being babyish if they don't, if they still have, you know, the step one on your plan, the talk and text phone? I love this question. And I think, I think that this is a major issue for most parents. There are social ramifications for the technology that we do or do not grant. I would say to parents who are concerned about this, for one, you're not alone. There are, contrary to what our children might tell us, there are more parents out there than we realize who are conservative in the granting of technology. I have never, ever, ever spoken to a parent who has wished they had granted those things earlier. Not once. I have met many parents who have been so glad that they waited. Yes. Um, So for one, I would encourage that parent to take courage with their gut. Okay. I, we, you might be interested to know that I actually, my current 18-year-old child, an adult, had a smartphone for a time, brought it to us and said, I don't want this. I don't want this. I want to go back. He said, this is too much for me to deal with right now. Wow. I have a 17 year old who still is on a gab phone by choice. Wow. He, That's he amazing. That. My other son, who is 16, he is, has also selected to stay with a gab phone. We went through a period of time when he was probably 14, where he was begging for a phone because his friends were playing some group games. When they would get together, they were playing some group games on their phones. Yes. And for some reason, we just did not feel like it was time. And there was a period of weeks where he was so upset. He was so upset. But the fascinating thing was, is that after about a month that faded and that he came to us later and said, you know what? I think if I had a smartphone, I would not. He's, he's a guitar player. Our son is a guitar player. And he said, mom, I think if I had had access to a smartphone, that I would have been on it so much that my skill level would be a lot lot lower with this hobby that I now have that I am obsessed with. And so it's interesting to watch as a parent that when you can communicate to that child, I am parenting out of my love for you. I parent by inspiration from above and I do not respond to social pressures. Yeah, I don't respond to everybody else has one. I don't respond to other parents' decisions with technology. Parents are going to be the most inspired individuals in that child's life to know what to do. And it doesn't need to be done in a controlling, forceful, I don't trust you manner. Um, yes. It's done out of love. And sometimes, and this is a little secret that we've discovered in our parenting of technology, Sometimes it might not be as much the withholding of technology 
but the replacing of it by other fabulous things. So if you're, if you're a family, if you are park goers, if you are skiers, if you are hikers, making technology not perhaps the centerpiece of the home. I know one family who, they're hurt, this, this family, the teenagers in this family are some of the most remarkable teenagers I have ever met. These were kids who were student body presidents, who were perfect score on the ACT type kids. They went through their entire experience with technology without a smartphone until they were adults. And I'm not advocating for that. Parents need to make their own wise decision. But the thing that I noticed about this family was that as the kids were growing up, there was a spot in the living room where there was a massive pile of Legos that was just more than welcome to be there all the time. There were shelves and shelves of books. There were toys that were not digitally oriented all over the house. And this family was very active outside. They did a lot of bike riding, a lot of cross-country skiing, a lot of activities. And what I learned from watching that family is that it, it might not be so much, I'm going to keep a death grip on this technology. You can't have it. Yes. It's more, oh, there's lots more fun things to do. Yes. Board games and card games and, and a basketball court or, you know, all those kinds of things. That is a really remarkable way to parent technology in maybe just not making it such a central default thing to fall to. Well, and along with that, you posted something so beautiful six days ago. Oh, there's just a tiny bit of an echo. Okay, it's gone. You posted something six days ago on the Instagram account, which is Family Tech University. You talked about dragging your kids outside to drink in that sunset or go on that bike ride or go play with friends or just get away from it and fill it, like you said, with something else. And you said, it is to connect with the only moment we really have possession of, the now. Why preach stillness on a platform focused on the parenting of technology? Because in the stillness, they will find answers, stability, inspiration, revelation, and they will find themselves. And oh my goodness, I could not agree with that more. I just was like, oh yes, when you are outside doing something whether and even being on a bike ride or on a hike where it's just quiet and your mind can think about something else besides being fed something that you are observing and you are thinking your own thoughts without someone giving them to you. I love that you said they will find answers and, and they will find themselves and find out what they really love and who they really are. And if they do have problems or questions that they're worried and wondering about, and I find that oftentimes at night, which is the worst time, I'm so tired and I want to go to sleep. That's when my kids open up to me the most because it's quiet and it's dark and I'm laying beside them and then they'll start talking to me about their day, which I've asked them 4,000 times before this. Tell me about your day and we have dinner time and let's talk and we do goods and bads and we do all that. Great, fine, wonderful. And then we're laying in bed and they'll be like, mom, something happened at recess today. And they'll go on the story and I'm like, oh my gosh, but it's 9.30 and I'm so tired. And yet I'm so glad that they have that opportunity then to connect. So finding those other moments where your kids can connect with you and themselves, oh my goodness, are crucial for their development and for your relationship with your child. Oh, I love, I love this example that you've given, Carmen, because I think sometimes when we talk about the power of stillness for young people, 
parents, my child is not remotely wired to be still. Right. Not remotely. <laughs> you know, but how, how, do, how do I help my child be still? But stillness comes in many varieties. Yes. And demonstration of stillness by just being present for that child at night, by unplugging, being present in that stillness, that child opened up to you. And I, I think there is something so beautiful about that. As parents, we can get really wrapped up in having a total knowledge all the time of every app and every platform that is available to my child. Yes. How does TikTok work? What are all the inner workings of Instagram? The truth of the matter is, is that parent, as parents, we can chase our tails until we are crazy oh, by yeah. trying to keep up with the current offerings of technology to our children. The better way, and, and, and that, that knowledge is important. We do need to have an understanding of what they're engaging with. Yeah. But the more powerful way is connecting that child with that stillness, with yeah. heaven, because in those ways, when that child has that connection with heaven, that connection with their own, their selves, their own thoughts, then they can recognize this new platform that mom knows nothing about. I'm not feeling good on this. I don't feel good about this. They will be able to meet the challenge of all of the future offerings of technology in all their formats when they have in their possession that spirit, that capacity to recognize warnings yes. to recognize this does not fit with my belief system when they are connected with that and it comes so often in that stillness yeah um, we have armed them with the best protection that they can have it i completely agree with that and stillness sharpens discernment yes. and it just helps you be a little bit mm, and and to be able to there's so many voices out there it's hard to know well, what can't you trust and what is true? And, and, and some articles completely contradict each other with ages and stages and what's good and what's bad and what's not. And well, we've actually found that this isn't. So it's hard to know. And I think that having that stillness and, and being able to discern, you're also able to trust your gut more and trust how you feel. Well, it doesn't matter what that says because this feels wrong to me or this feels okay. This, this actually, I was FaceTiming my grandma and we did all these and it was fun and it was uplifting and it wasn't, you don't leave with that feeling of, ugh. And it is, it's almost like, like, like sludgy or kind of like, ugh, yucky and rotten. Like there's, it's, we all know it. We've all felt it. But, but it's one thing to tell our kids. We tell them, well, you're rotting your brain. You're rotting your brain. You're rotting your brain. And you're really doing it. Like there's scientific proof. Like your brain isn't working right, right now. But, but they don't, if they can't experience that and learn what that feels like for themselves, our words, oh, hollow, meaningless. So if parents are listening to this, Emily, and they're like, oh my goodness, this sounds like something I want to do for my family and my kids. Please tell us again what the course is called, where people can go to find it. And if they want to just keep in touch with up-to-date things with what you're putting out there and information, where can they go to follow along? Absolutely. So our location online is www.familytechuniversity.com. Um, you can also follow the things that we that we teach incrementally on um, Instagram. Of course, that's Family Tech University and also on Facebook by the same name. You can find us in all those places. We do have a free resource on our website, which is that My Tech Plan if you do nothing else, um, that free resource can really put a family into a great place to make a plan, 
And that, that plan just makes for really peaceful parenting. So we would love to give that to anybody. It's, and that sounds amazing. And what can, if parents want to dig deeper and go to the internal filter course online, how long can they, you said it's eight modules, how long should they plan on for finishing that course? That's a great question. So the internal filter workshop is available on that website. Um, it is. It varies widely how quickly that child moves through because it is self-directed. Okay. Um, the subscription to that course lasts for six months, which is more okay. than enough time. Most kids finish it in two weeks or less, but we have kids that will take a few months. They dip in and out, but but you you have plenty of time in order to finish that course. Most most I would say finish between in between two weeks and maybe a month. Okay, so so you're not planning. That's a very reasonable time yes. to be able to do it. And like you said, I love the idea of doing a Sunday thing, like every Sunday, because we don't do, we try not to do technology on our house on Sunday anyway. So this would be like a special thing, like, oh, this is safe for Sunday. And then it's maybe not competing with the homework and with the activities and with the games and everything else throughout the week. I think that's just such sure. a great idea. Emily, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast explain your incredible platform, what you're doing with Family Tech University. I just think this is like an absolute necessity, not only for families, but even for individuals that are feeling like, I want to improve the quality of my technology and screen time. And thank you so much for all the good you are doing. Oh, thank you. My privilege to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. If you'd like to hear more from Carmen and get brand new full-length talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers like John By the Way, Meg Johnson, and Hank Smith, you can exclusively inside our Turtle House. And when you join today, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode next week.